Good afternoon. Welcome to the Working the Traditions Workshop. My name is Carol, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being taped. All speakers must sign the release form before you speak. Uh, to protect our anonymity, no photograph, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this, uh, uh, we will have, uh, the format here is that we're going to have three speakers that will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. So the topic for this is Working the Traditions, Staying on Track. The following is read from the 12 and 12, um, page 108. And I wonder where um, it says read next page. Oh, here we go. We owe a large debt of gratitude to Alcoholics Anonymous for breaking ground in establishing these traditions and allowing OA to adapt them to our fellowship. Development through long and sometimes painful experience the 12 traditions embody the same principles for living as do the 12 steps. Those who have studied them carefully have found that these traditions can be applied effectively to all human relationships, both inside and outside of OA. With this in mind, we turn our attention to the traditions, trusting that as we come to understand them better, we will be better able to keep our OA lifeboat afloat and ourselves spiritually fit in the face of all challenges. So without further ado, will you please welcome Carol from Death Valley. I'm Carol, compulsive overeater from Death Valley, California, and I have pictures to prove it. I'll go over my statistics. I'm five foot three, 58, 59 years old. I've been in program 29 years, starting uh, September 12, 1983. I've been abstaining continuously 14 years. I've been um, relieved of the um, urge to eat sugar for six years. I could not have done any of that on my own, but I have a partnership with a higher power, and we do good together. Um, as a prep for this, well, I got asked to speak, and she said, what do you want to speak on? And I said, ah, just plug me in. I do this. I, you know, fill a hole where you don't have somebody to volunteer. And she, she says, oh, I know, the traditions. You can speak on the traditions. Nobody likes speaking on the traditions. <laughs> Fine. I remember when I first started program, I had a gal I was working with. We were um, kind of uh, partners in recovery because there weren't many sponsors in the area and we were both going why do we have to read the steps and the traditions at every meeting well now I understand I have TBS Teflon brain syndrome and if I don't hear it frequently it just slides off so I have um, an old pamphlet and I looked at the newer pamphlet and all they did in the newer pamphlet was they didn't capitalize 12 steps and 12 traditions so otherwise the words are pretty much the same 
And I wanted to go over how the traditions work for me. Um, I, as, as per preparation, I also listened to the, uh, the CDs from last year on the traditions. And, man, they had three workshops on the traditions. You guys are lucky you only got one. And um, it was interesting to, to um, listen to what the folks had to say about the traditions. But one gal pointed out, you know, the steps prevent suicide. The traditions prevent homicide. They prevent me from killing you and you from killing me because um, it would have seemed really nice to probably off me early in program. I was not a very nice person. I didn't like myself. Um, but I have been in program 29 years and come a long way. So tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. And the principle I have written down for this is unity. I can't do this alone. I need other people. And if I'm going to be so set on my way at the meetings, you know, I'll drive my meetings into the ground or drive me out of the meetings. Um, it says in the little pamphlet, our recovery is usually not something we can do by ourselves. If I think I can do this alone, I haven't got it yet. Um, I have to have other people because I have to give it away. I have to have somebody to give it away to. I don't get to keep what I don't give away. Um, so I need people in my meetings, and I, when I go to meetings, I need to consider what's best for the meeting, not what I think is best for the meeting. I've been privileged to go to World Service twice, and I was just awed. Um, I mean, we're going at each other's throats over something that people are afraid is going to take our way down if we do it this way. And if we don't do it this way, somebody else is afraid it's going to take people down. But you call point of order, serenity prayer, and everybody comes back to the room and back to sanity. Um, it says in the 12 and 12, on the, um, the little paragraph at the end of each chapter is usually where the meat is. It says, our emotional and spiritual health depends on the health of our relationships. That's the way it is for me. You know, if I don't do relationships, I'm fine. I, I've, I've read a quote someplace. was, when I live alone, I have no irritating habits. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to live my life alone. So I have to um, temper those irritating habits, um, get the edges knocked off, you know, learn to be a, a friend among friends, and just another normal person. Now, step two, I mean, tradition two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. And the principle I have written down for that is trust. I have to trust those people that I'm allowing to govern the meetings, to, to um, lead me. Um, a vital part of personal growth is learning humility by yielding my self-will. And I have to trust the people I'm in relationships with as well. You know, some people in different ways than others. But um, I remember going to an OA meeting years ago, and the topic was relationships. And I was going to go see my son shortly thereafter. And um, he only wrote when he needed something. And, you know, when the kid didn't need anything, I didn't hear from him. And at this meeting, we talked, the theme was relationships. I had to be the kind and loving mother, the kind and loving daughter, the kind and loving sister. It doesn't matter what they're doing. I have the program. I have to be the kind and loving fill in the blank. 
So I started praying for my son every day. It's part of my morning meds. Um, and I'm okay with that he doesn't contact me much. You know, we get in touch. He is in reco- a recovery program now, so when we get together, it's almost like coming to these meetings where I see somebody once a year. We're still on the same level. We know recovery, and we can relate. So when I call my son or he calls me and we finally get a hold of each other after much phone tag, um, we have a little mini-meeting because he's in a program now, too, because he's in his 30s, so he was born... Um, shortly before I came into program. So he's known me in program. He hasn't always known me well. I haven't always been well in program. But, you know, I've gotten weller as the, as the time goes along. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And the principle is identity. You know, I don't think I wanted to stop eating compulsively when I came to OA. I just wanted to be thin. I didn't equate eating compulsively with, with overweight, I just wanted to lose weight and, and, be, and get, get out of there and be, you know, thin and beautiful the rest of my life. Fortunately, I stuck around. I am so grateful that I'm one of the stickers, that um, I never stopped coming to OA, never. I, I've never been away from the rooms. There was a time when I lived too far away from meetings to go. Um, and I didn't go for a whole year. This was before phone meetings. This was... Um, probably in the late 1990s. Um, I worked for the Park Service, and I moved to Crater Lake. That's where I got my first Park Service job. And, you know, I had to drive 62 miles to my meeting. And um, I just didn't think I could do that. And I went to a retreat that we had in southern Oregon at St. Rita's Retreat Site, and I realized how much I missed the face-to-face, the people. So I promised my sponsor I would come to a meeting a month if the conditions were not dangerous. Because we get a lot of snow at Crater Lake. And I remember going outside the door one Saturday to go to the meeting, and they hadn't plowed, and the snow was about this deep. And I, I went back in, the plow came around, and I went to my meeting. Um, so that was um, tradition three, and I've got a little reading for it. Um, in OA, we've learned that people can differ with us on important matters and still be loving, supportive friends. And I have in the margin, different is not wrong. And that took me a while to learn. It was my kitchen. You know, everything was, it was mine. And there wasn't a lot of peace in my life when it belonged to me and you were messing with it and not doing it my way. And I learned different is not wrong. It was outside of OA. It was something else I was doing or listening to. But I really took that to heart, and um, I don't have to have you do it my way anymore. It also talks about um, the desire is required, but success is not required. You can keep coming back and coming back and coming back and trying. Well, look at my stats. I've been coming for 29 years. I've been abstaining continuously 14. Do the math. Half of it I wasn't abstaining continuously, but I kept coming back because this is where my recovery was. This is where the sanity was. As long as I kept coming back, I had a chance. If I decide I'm not coming back anymore, or, or, or if you, you, know, you drop out for a while, and then you say, oh, well, I'll lose weight before I go back. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that. I, I really need to stay and stick with it. I love the saying that they say, you know, uh, stick with the winners. Uh-uh, win with the stickers. Tradition four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups as a, or OA as a whole. Now, that's autonomy. 
I can't do things that will hurt my group. I can't do things that will hurt my relationship. Tradition 4 challenges us as, as individuals and as OA groups and as a fellowship to strike a healthy balance between my responsibility for myself and my responsibility to each other. It's not all up to me, um, and I have to consider other people in my life if I'm going to have relationships with them. Tradition 5, each group shall have but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. The purpose... I have to have purpose in my life. And it says in the big book, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Well, some people are services by, do service by being bad examples, and some people do service by being a good example. And I can learn from both, and sometimes I'm a bad example. Um, but I, I try to pay attention to what higher power wants me to do. When higher power wants me to be of service, if I'm working with higher power, doing the footwork, um, I'll be a good example. I'll be the example higher power wants me to be. Tradition six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Um, and I have solidarity as the principle. Um, and I have to be generous. I have to give to OA as higher power has given to me. Service, money, time, and energy. Um, and I've also heard God doesn't call the prepared, God, pre no. God doesn't call the prepared, God prepares the called. You can volunteer to do something you don't know how to do. God will work it out with you, and you've got support and program, sponsors, mentors. People will help me learn what I need to learn in OA. Um, it's, it's kind of fun. It's just amazing when I take a class or do something. I'm, okay, God, what are we going to have coming up next that you're preparing me with this? Um, and it's an interesting ride being on being being a passenger when higher power is driving. Seven tradition seven. Every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, and that, of course, is responsibility. And I am so glad I go to a um, OA phone meeting, and on the fourth Friday of the month, we read the tradition of the month. And it said uh, last Friday on my way here, we read, under the guidance of our higher power, we learn to do the things we need to do to take care of ourselves and our group materially and emotionally. I have to take care of myself. If I don't do it, who's going to care about me to do it for me? I don't need a parent. I don't need a daddy. I don't need, um, you know, someone telling me what to do or taking care of me. I need to do that for myself. I've heard in OA, I need to reparent myself. I need to be a good parent to myself. I make sure I have a Kleenex in my pocket when I leave the house. Because I don't like going down the road, you know, wiping my hand on my, my nose on my sleeve. I have to take care of myself. I buy good food. I don't buy junk. If you don't buy it, you can't eat it. Unless you have roommates to steal it from, but that's another story. <laughs> Tradition eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And I have fellowship and service. Um, there's a lot to, um, you know, sometimes we have to hire people in program if we want to get the work done. And sometimes those hired people make it possible for the 12-step work to be done. But when I'm giving service, when I come here and give service, my reward is something money can't buy. It's my own personal recovery. It's so funny when someone thanks me for giving service, but it's my recovery I'm doing it for. 
Even being a sponsor, I get a lot from my sponsoring relationships. Um, and it's all about me. You know, it works. I've got to take care of myself. So sometimes it is all about me. At the end of step nine, uh, tradition nine in the 12 and 12, it says, I put my hand in yours because I care. And I have in the margin, recovery is not having to say, I don't care. I do care now. I care deeply about a lot of people in the program. But I leave you to be, you know, I don't save anybody. I'm not a rescuer. I don't save people in program. And I, um, I've, I've fired sponsees that won't go to face-to-face meetings because that's the bottom line recovery for, for most people in recovery in program. You go to meetings. That's where your service opportunities come. That's where your literature opportunities are. That's the whole ball of wax is meetings. That's the bottom line for me. And if they're not willing to work at um, finding a meeting, they're not willing to work at their recovery, especially when they're in a, a major metropolitan area. So Tradition 9, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. We don't have to be organized. It says so right here. But we have to make sure the stuff gets done. I, I had a friend once years ago and heard she'd come to town once a, uh, once a year to help her daughter pack up from school and go back to where they lived. And she just loved this. I don't have to be organized. It says so right in this book. Um, and Tradition 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. This is my favorite tradition, my favorite principle, neutrality. The committee up here, it's an outside issue. I can't judge you. I can't judge me. It's an outside issue. I can't beat myself up. I don't try. I, I have opinions. They float to the surface, and I go, oh, go away. I can't entertain opinions or judgments. Um, it's, an, it's an outside issue. Almost everything outside of this is an outside issue. And my first step is I'm powerless over food, people, places, and things, and my feelings. Feelings are God-given. It's what I do with them. But, you know, the feelings, I'm not going to, you shouldn't feel that way. No, no, I don't, don't say that to myself. If it's a feeling, I have to deal with it, and I've got tools to deal with the feelings. Tradition 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. I don't talk about who my sponsor is. I don't ask, are you speaking at the meeting next? I didn't ask the guy at the meditation workshop, are you speaking tomorrow at the meditation workshop? Life's a surprise. God will surprise me. I'll find out tomorrow. It's Anonymity is such a safe thing. I... Um, I don't have to brag about who people I see are, who I talk to, um, and I don't have to brag on myself. If God wants my candle to shine, it'll shine. But I don't have to, you know, fan the flame and then feed the fuel, and I just have to do the footwork and what's in front of me. And last but not least, Tradition 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Um, I haven't always liked everybody I met at program. I heard a long time ago, if you've liked everybody you've met at a meeting, you haven't been to enough meetings. <laughs> and it's true. You know, there's just some people in OA that maybe they're too much like me. So I'm, you know, kind of like uh, petting the cat the wrong way. I just don't want to deal with them. 
Um, but OA is too important for me to be petty. It, um, it says in the little pamphlet here, this is a life or death program. There is no room for pettiness. We cannot afford to let our antagonism to some member's personality distract us from, pra- dis- from practicing the 12 steps of our program. Sometimes I just have to do it because I need to do it, not because somebody I didn't like told me it was a good idea. And then I don't want to do it if somebody I don't like says it's a good idea. Um, I, I've cut off my nose to spite my face before a program, and I don't do that anymore. Thank goodness. So I, um, I've been coming to program a long time. I love the traditions. I've even graduated to loving the concepts of service. <laughs> we used to read those at our intergroup meeting when I was up in Northern California. And um, it's so many good ways to live. And, you know, it's just you do a checklist and, whoops, that's, that's judgment or anger or an in, inappropriate way of dealing with things. So anyway, I will close. I'm Carol. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm from Death Valley, California. And if you want to come see me afterwards, I have cards with my name and email address and phone number on them. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Okay, now our second speaker is Catherine from Sacramento. Hi, my name is Catherine, a compulsive eater, anorexic, and bulimic. And I will start out by saying, I've been having a really bad day today. Um, I started out in a full-blown panic attack this morning, and um, so it's been really rough today. Um, I I was sharing earlier that I've been in, um, I was doing registration with two um, over-the-top, extroverts and I am a a low bottom introvert and so there's been a lot of energy suck for me but um, I've tried to center myself so uh, my qualifications um, unlike a lot of people um, I am maintaining um, a 35 pound weight gain from my lowest weight and um, have not thrown up for over three years have not had any overt starvation for three years, and that's pretty good to me. I first came here in 1991 and related to everything that everybody said, and you all scared the crap out of me, and so I left. Um, I came back in 2006 because my husband went into rehab, and I needed to remember what the steps were because I was a very supportive wife. And um, I found out that um, I still belonged here. And so uh, on Saturday mornings, I go to a 12 and 12 step study, um, step and tradition study. And the funny thing is, every time it's a tradition week, I'm thinking, maybe I don't need to go this week. This is a tradition. And really, who wants to hear about the traditions? And every week, I go, oh, my God, that... That is what I need. And so um, I'm not going to talk to the tradition so much as in program, but really how, how I use them in my life. And um, the first tradition is our common welfare should come first. Re- personal recovery depends upon OA unity. And, um, but I really apply that to the concept of unity to my marriage. Um, I, I apply it to a lot of things, but my marriage 
is the one I have to keep remembering that I am in a relationship and it's based on unity, not not separate things. And when I get off into how the world should be and how he should be and how everybody else should be, I lose my God consciousness. I lose my centeredness. So I have to keep coming back to what is the unity? What is the greater good? And how can I how can I do that right now? And and that tradition helps me, like um, Carol said, uh, I too have written in the front of my book about the steps prevent suicide and the traditions percent, uh, prevent homicide. And I totally relate to that because that's what I have to remember. Um, number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. That reminds me I am not in charge. And I, I work. I go to a lot of meetings. I have a lot of opinions. And I have to remember I am not in charge. Um, I go to a meeting. I say what I need to say. And then... I remember there is a higher authority, and I have had a tendency in my lifetime to try to bulldoze people to get like the way I think things should be, and that that is not looking to an ultimate authority, and so I try to go with the kinder, gentler tactic of just saying what I need to say and then letting my faith in a higher authority let the meeting run to do what is supposed to happen. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to eat, stop eating compulsively. Um, this one is totally related to OA, and it tells me I belong here. And I can tell you, coming in as an anorexic, it is very hard to feel like you belong. Um, I was 88 pounds when I first came in, and and there's not a lot of people who are, are doing that. Um, it also, in the 12 and 12, says that there are no rules. And um, a lot, when I'm in meetings, a lot of people talk about sugar and flour. And, and I had a very hard time in the beginning not thinking that there were rules around those particular foods, that I wasn't allowed to have those. And the reality is my abstinence cannot have black and white rules other than don't throw up and don't go days on end without eating. Those are pretty black and white. But um, but I, 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 have no, I have no blacklist foods. I have foods that... I avoid for the most part, but there is nothing that like I can't have that, and that's that's just my abstinence. But this tradition tells me then that is okay. If that works for me, that is okay because I have a desire to stop eating compulsively. And when you spend 24/7 thinking about food and calories and how much is coming in and how much is going out, and it never stops. That is compulsive eating, whether you're putting that food in your mouth or not. And literally, I used to obsess about food so much, I would start beating myself up about eating something, and a couple of hours later, realize I had never actually eaten it. 
I had just thought about eating it. And um, you know what? That's crazy enough to be here, in my personal opinion. <laughs> Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Um, this reminds me that differences are okay. Not everybody has to be the same. Not every meeting has to be the same. And I grew up in a house where that wasn't allowed. Um, having differences meant you were disloyal to the family, and that was not allowed. What, what the 12 and 12 in the big book tell me is we are not on a narrow road. We are on a broad highway, and that is a beautiful thing. There, I've been to meetings in other places, and like anybody who's been in meetings in other places, they're not always doing it the way my group does it. But it's working. It's about recovery, and there are many ways to get there. And the Southern California people who love to clap after every speaker, it's it's okay. I can deal with it, even though it's not my way. Um, and that's okay. Number five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. That tradition tells me that my job is to share my experience, strength, and hope. And that may be in the program that may be in my workplace. It doesn't matter. My, my job is not to tell other people what to do. Um, I do training at work on occasion. I'm training a new employee right now. And I have certain ways that I do things. And I want to tell him, this is how you have to do it. it it's not how he has to do it. There are variations and what can happen, and his way is perfectly fine. And um, when, when I am here, when I'm sponsoring somebody, or when somebody is sponsoring me, their way may not be my way. And that is okay. All I have to do is share my experience, strength, and hope. And that's going to get me through. Number six. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. I have written in my book that's focus versus distraction. And in the program, we need, we need focus. We need to focus on one thing and not get splintered off on a bunch of different things. Um, when, I, when I remember it's about recovery, then I don't have to go off on other things that are unrelated. In my personal life, when I remember what the primary purpose of what I'm doing is, then I don't have to go out and try to do other things that aren't related. I'm a volunteer coordinator for a feral cat spay clinic. And, um, and that is a be careful what you pray for because I asked God to help me be involved with feral cats. And when the feral clinic, spay clinic uh, volunteer coordinator job came up, it was like, no, that, that is not what I, that is not my strength. I am not 
supposed to do this. And um, apparently God had something else in mind. So almost five years later, I'm still the volunteer coordinator. And, um, and my job is to have the right people in the right place so that our cats get spayed and neutered and get out safely and alive and get back home. There are people who come into my clinic and they're like, oh, I'm so glad it's Catherine's clinic. We love this clinic. And then I go up on my little pedestal and I'm like, oh, I'm so great. And what do I do around here to make sure people think I am fantastic? And um, then I get knocked off the pedestal. And I remember that is not my primary purpose, to be on a pedestal and have people love and adore me. My primary purpose is to make sure I have a fantastic crew working for me, and that's all I need to do. And I go back to, the, to this tradition to remind me that I have a primary purpose, and, and I need to stick with it. Um, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. I struggled with this one at first because, well, and I really, I just thought, well, this is a non-issue for me because um, in my personal life, I am very self-supporting. I, I wanted nothing more when I got out of high school to never rely on my parents for money again. Money, money is a, a big trigger in my life, and I was going to pay my own way. Um, just one of the ways money manifests when I had my relapse in 1990. Um, my mother's solution was to give me $1,000 for a new wardrobe once I gained the weight back. And, and, and I just thought, you so don't get it. But, um, and I didn't want her money. And I mean, literally, checks were going back and forth because I wasn't going to take her money and she wasn't going to take me not taking it. And it was crazy. Um, <laughs> describes that relationship. But... Um, <laughs> But what the 12 and 12 also says is um, self-supporting is not relying on other people. And I want to rely on my husband to give me everything I need. And what this tradition tells me is I need to rely on God to give me what I need. Um, there is no person who can give me everything I need, but God can. And I just need to be open to that. And I also need to remember that I can't give anybody else what they need. And that's what I did with my mother for years. I tried to give her what she needed. And you know what? I can't do that. And so this tradition reminds me to stay where I belong. Um, number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. The 12 and 12 says there are, um, we do no strings attached, caring and sharing. We um, give without expectations. And so that was one of the attractions. I was in therapy for a very long time. I believe I put my therapist child through um, college. And when I came to OA, and, and I still struggle with the concept that people would care about me without being paid for it. Um, but that's what this tradition says, that, that we care for each other. We're not looking for anything in exchange for that caring. And so 
I can go out there and people give to me and it's my job to give back and still not expect anything. And you know, the thing is, when I started doing with the, that with my mother, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna care, I'm gonna give, and I'm not gonna expect anything in return. I actually started getting stuff in return. And um, it's like me getting out of the middle and quit trying to control it and just let life happen. And somehow when life just happens and you let God be in charge, Go figure, it works better. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized. We may create special service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. This tells me rules don't work. Um, we obey principles, and I have literally been in a lot of meetings with a lot of rules, the rules posted on a board so that we all cooperate. We do talking sticks so we don't argue too much. And um, you know what? The rules don't work. And what works is, is principles and that principle of mutual respect. And I've heard a lot of people in my Saturday morning meeting talking about we wish we could post the traditions up there on the board at work so that, you know, people really all people should be in 12-step programs. And I do truly, in the bottom of my heart, believe all people should be in 12-step programs. <laughs> but um, that's, that's what it says. And what it also it says, and in the book it says, we say our piece and then we let God take charge of the meeting. So... It's not my job to influence the outcome, just to say my piece and let go. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. I do not need to have an opinion on everything. And the funny thing is that there have been times at work where I thought, you know what, I don't care if we design it this way or that way, either way is fine. And then I find myself arguing about one particular way, and I don't even care. And this tradition reminds me, I don't care. Keep my mouth shut. It's okay. Um, 11, our public relations is based on attraction rather than promotion. We may always maintain personal anonymity at the levels of press, radio, films, television, and other public media. Um, don't tell me then it works. Show me then it works. And I've had people try to tell me a lot of things, and I think you know what, if doing it your way makes me like you, I don't want that. And uh, when my husband went into recovery, of course, I wanted to tell him how to do it and, you know, work those steps, get a sponsor, boo. And um, with the help of some very intelligent people in the program, I was reminded I needed to work the steps and I needed to show him that it worked. And um, telling him what to do was not going to do it, but if I did it, and he saw that I was kinder, gentler Catherine, that was going to get him to work more than anything else would. So that's what I try to do. Uh, finally, 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. This one kind of bugs me because um, in the 12 and 12, it says, I am one among many. I am no better than or less than anybody else and I want to be better than other people and I think I'm less than other people and um, but but neither is true I am one among many um, 
But part of anonymity is not never telling anybody what's going on or um, that I'm in the program. And as an anorexic, it's very difficult to tell people you go to OA because they think you're psychotic. And they think you're trying to stay in the disease. You're not an overeater. Why are you there? It's, like, it's about food. And um, I remember I was on a gym um, by the pool one day, and I was talking to a woman. And I don't even know why, but I mentioned that um, I was bulimic, and I was trying to stop that. And we had this great conversation for the next hour. And she told me she was bulimic, and she was about the early 30s, she had never told anybody that she was bulimic. And um, because I opened myself up, because I told her about me and what I was doing to try to get better, she was able to open up and tell somebody else. And she thought she was the only one. So, you know, I don't know where God is going to help, you know, where God is going to work. And a lot of times I want to keep my mouth shut and I don't want to tell people about the food thing, um, especially about the bulimia because to me bulimia is dirty and disgusting. Anorexia was like totally pure and clean and wonderful. Um, yeah, you could ask my doctors about that. It didn't really work out that way in reality, but, um, but that's my mind, which doesn't work well. I think we all know that. And, um, so anyways, it's, um, but God works. And if, if you don't, read the traditions I just want to encourage everybody to really get into them because they will they will help you live your life they help me live my life and that's what it's all about thank you thank you Catherine thank you Catherine and now we'll hear from Maggie from San Francisco Hi, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yeah? Okay. I need to speak into it? Yes, Okay. Can I move it? They're taping it, so we need to make sure that you speak. Can you move it? Is that better? Okay. I don't want to have to stoop. Uh, Okay, I'm Maggie. I'm a compulsive overeater from San Francisco. Hi, everyone. I'm really nervous. I just want to start by saying that. I've actually never spoken at a Region 2 convention. Um, But when I was asked if I'd like to speak, naturally I couldn't come up with any reason that wasn't fear-based, and so I had to say yes. Um, So here I am, and I've been fretting over it quite a lot (laughs) all morning, working on surrendering it, making program calls. I did all kinds of prep, and then I just thought, well, I just need to get up there and share my experience, strength, and hope with the traditions. This is what my sponsor would tell to me, would tell me to do, and this is what my higher power tells me to do. This is what program tells me to do. So um, I want to start. I've been in program for 10 years. I have a 10-year anniversary coming up in August. And uh, in that time, I've had a couple of relapses. So. For me and for my recovery, I count time in the rooms and not abstinence, although I just passed a two-year mark of abstinence. What I celebrate is 10 years in the rooms because I've never left. And one of the reasons I've never left is tradition three. And um, I can't tell you. I really, there are not words to describe 
how much Tradition Three has meant to me and my process around relapse, that the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. There's, not, there's nothing about perfection. There's nothing about success. There's nothing about how you're supposed to do it. I mean, it even says in the tradition, how we decide to recover is up to the individual member. I work a food plan that is um, unique to me and is, is for me and for my recovery and my abstinence. And I've struggled a lot with uh, feeling different in program around my food plan. I've struggled a lot with shame around relapse. And the fact is my higher power speaks to me through Tradition 3 when it says the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And um, you know what, what a massive, big whopping dose of medicine this is against my disease, which tells me if you're not doing it right, you don't get to be there. And if you didn't do X, Y, and Z, then why even bother going to a meeting? Or if you ate today, you really shouldn't go to the meeting because what kind of message of hope do you have to share? You know, my disease can go on and on and on about why I shouldn't claim my seat in the rooms. And all I have to do is turn to the tradition. The only desire or the only requirement is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Um, the other tradition, I, I, I'm thinking a lot lately about attraction rather than promotion. And um, there are pr principles in the traditions that attracted me to program to begin with. And one of them was anonymity. I work in the food business. My professional life revolves around food. It's very important to me that I have a safe place to go that feels anonymous where my outside life can't get in, really can't get in. And um, that's one of the reasons that I came to Overeaters Anonymous was that it was anonymous. Um, and now, now that I'm here and have been here for 10 years, I still hold that anonymity really, really, really sacred. And I'm really happy to say that anonymity is important to me now as a spiritual principle and not as an antidote against shame because shame was a part of my disease and part of the reason I didn't want to come in and be counted as a compulsive overeater. Um, Let's see, I made a few notes because I knew I'd be nervous. Um, so I recently started working the traditions with my sponsor. And um, when I was asked to speak and was offered a variety of choices of topics, I jumped on this because I feel really passionately about the traditions. And this is one of the miracles of program, frankly, because the traditions always seemed really boring to me even as I valued the principles of them. Um, so <clears throat> I want to also say that in my 10 years in program, I've recently felt called to be of service at other levels from what I've been doing. I'd done meeting service. I had done some committee work. Um, I've sponsored. I still sponsor. And I've shared my story at meetings. <clears throat> and 
I'm recently, I've recently started doing service at an intergroup level, and the traditions have proven invaluable to, to doing that work and um, have also helped me feel like I can be of service with integrity and not um, kind of just spinning around not knowing. You know, I, I love this, this saying, which my co-speaker said uh, that I had not heard about the steps pre preventing suicide and the traditions preventing homicide because heaven knows when I leave intergroup, I want to kill lots of people. Um, and I'm always right, right? Like, <laughs> so um, I'm incredibly grateful for the traditions because if I'm having a rage of I want to kill everybody, I, I mean, I've been in program long enough now know you know, to not listen to that, but I have tools to help me cope with that feeling, with that homicidal feeling. <laughs> that doesn't sound very serene, but, but um, <clears throat> trust me, I was homicidal all the time before I came into program and suicidal. Um, so <clears throat> I'm just going to, I just want to start the way that I've been working the traditions, and I'm just going to cover the ones that I've done, which is only three. Um, but the way that I've been doing it is the way that I'd heard another fellow talk about doing it, which was to read the tradition and then write about three things in each tradition that spoke to them or uh, sort of captured their attention. So tradition one really, really, really caught me by surprise. And um, it, it was profound. So the background I want to give on that is that uh, I've had a long, ongoing resentment with one of my clients. And my sponsor had given me steps uh, six and seven to do around this resentment. I'd done 10 steps around this resentment. Um, I'd worked on my character defects of jealousy. Jealousy is a really, really, uh, you know, it really clings to me. And I cling to it, you know, in all honesty. Um, but I had taken all of these, I'd done step work around this jealousy and this resentment. Jealousy and resentment in this case just are like blood brothers. And I had gotten some relief, but nothing was really sticking, you know. And um, I embarked on the traditions, and lo and behold, if tradition one was not the answer I needed with my resentment. And um, Here it says, even when we were surrounded by other people, it became progressively difficult for us to connect with them. That was my resentment. I hated my client. I resented them. I was jealous of them. I mean, you don't really need to expound on resentment. Everyone knows what they are. <laughs> but um, here we discovered we were never meant to live alone. I was not meant to feel alone in the presence of my client. That was part of my resentment. I felt isolated, alone. Uh, oh, sorry, I've got it written down. Okay, so unity does not mean uniformity. That sounds really simple, but when I read that, it was a revelation to me in the same way that step seven had been a revelation to me. Humility is not humiliation. Uniformity does not, or unity does not mean uniformity. And 
all the jealousy, all the bitterness, all the I'm less than, you're more than, I'm less than, you're more than, and then, well, because I'm less than, I'm actually more than. Uh, <clears throat> you, know, you know, the hideous spiral of a resentment was washed away when I realized we're not all meant to be the same. We are not all meant to be the same. And this has been a profound message for me in my recovery. We're not all, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10", I've been 5'10 since I was 11. And um, I'm not meant to be 5'6", you know, I'm meant to be 5'10". I'm not meant to be 5'6 and 120 pounds. I'm meant to be 5'10 and 170 pounds, you know, and that's recovery for me and that's acceptance for me. Um, I'm meant to have the food plan that works for me and supports my recovery. Everyone's meant to have the food plan that supports their recovery. Um, so what, what this, this principle of unity does not mean uniformity is really founded on is that we focus on what we have in common. And uh, I had never done that before program. I had never thought, what do I have in common with this person that I hate? What do I have in common with this person that I'm jealous of? I had never done that. I, I was too arrogant. And um, in fact, it's how I've healed relationships with my family, with my mother. I had a very damaged relationship with my mother. And I learned to find neutral ground, to focus on what we had in common. Could we talk about going to the farmer's market instead of talking about what I should have done when I was 14. Well, yes, we, ac we actually could, and then that gave us room to heal and grow, and I now have a relationship with my mother that I am proud to say I, I love her more than anything. And I, I could not have said that when I came into recovery. I probably would have said I hate her more than anything, you know, and I want to love her, but I don't know how. Um, <clears throat> so... Tradition one has revealed itself to me when I really gave it my attention, when I really studied it. There were so many beautiful spiritual messages here. I really understand the spiritual heart of our 12-step programs because they are evidenced in every word of the traditions. And I would have acknowledged to you that the steps had, were my higher power speaking to me but I thought the traditions were just a bunch of like dry academic BS. And in fact, they're just as spiritually whole as the steps. So um, tradition two, <clears throat> instead of a power structure, we have a service structure. The tradition is for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Now, I had no idea how to have a relationship that wasn't about power. I was always better. I was always the victim or the victimizer. I was always empowered or disempowered. There was always an enemy. And I like to say about my disease that it's a master at finding an enemy, and I always had one. <clears throat> and um, when I read this tradition and learn that power is not part of how we relate to each other in OA, but service, all the air goes out of my balloon. 
and in a good way. It's a surrender, right? It's a release. I let go of that impulse to control. And we replace it with service, and not only with service, but to be a trusted servant. I had never felt trusted in my life. And to know that these strangers at this meeting were going to trust me to show up every week to hang up a sign in my early days or as I was coming out of relapse, to feel trusted, it, it's, it's the same as the message of, you know, we'll love and accept you until you can love and accept yourself. We will trust you until you can trust yourself. Um, Well, and as somebody who has relapsed, I want to share this too. To exclude some from speaking or voting on decisions for the group denies them effective membership in the group, membership which can be essential to recovery from our disease of isolation. Those who have long-term experience with OA groups and traditions have more than a right to speak up. They have a responsibility to share what they have learned. Now, to be somebody who's relapsed, thank you very much, and to be reminded that even in relapse, I've learned something and have something to share and, have, and um, have an obligation to the group to share my experience, that's incredibly profound. You know, the relapse wants to shame me into silence, and that's what's painful about relapse is that I return to the isolation of the disease. And to be reminded by the traditions that I have a right to be in the rooms. Again, I know I'm sort of talking about this, but this is what the traditions are about for me. I get to belong. I have a seat in this room no matter what. And if I've been in the room for a while and have some recovery, I have an obligation to share my recovery. So I'll just quickly, I've, I've really talked about Tradition 3, but... Um, I just want to read one or two things from it because the perfectionist in me needs to be reminded about this constantly. Nobody is expelled from OA for not working the steps, not getting a sponsor, not respecting the traditions, or not adopting the tools and practices many of us employ. Nobody is excluded from OA membership because of his or her personal opinion on how to achieve abstinence. Note, too, that while the desire to stop eating compulsively is required, a person doesn't have to be abstinent to be welcome at OA meetings. We encourage one another to keep coming back no matter what. In fact, many of us have kept coming back to OA despite problems with abstinence and have found this to be the key to our recovery. So... Only having gone through the first three traditions, I have to say my program has changed immensely just from these first three. And I wish that I could speak to the other nine, but I'll have to come back and do that another time. I really want to make a pitch, though. If you're struggling to, to pick up a tradition, I actually mentioned this to a friend. She was struggling with something, and I said, you know, I just read tradition one, and it changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh even saying it because it used to seem so preposterous. And uh, lo and behold, she read Tradition 1 and it helped her. And she said, wow, it really helped me. You know, the miracles can come from anywhere. And we, don't, we know only a little. 
And if, I, you know, for me to say, oh, the traditions, I know all about them, having not really even read them, having not turned to them when I need solace, you know, what, I'm really cheating myself of the wisdom of Overeaters Anonymous. So um, I really look forward to the continued spiritual lessons of the traditions because they're really taking my program to a new level. Thank you. Thank you, Maggie. Now the meeting is open for three-minute pitches. And before you can pitch, you need to come and sign this release form so that um, you've given us authorization to be under the tape. We ask you to limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic, topic of traditions today. And this session will end at 3.45. So at this time, does anyone want to talk about the traditions? Sign in first. Okay, and I have to sign the release form. Please. Okay. And then you can time. Time. Okay. Okay. Thanks to all the speakers. I got something out of that's right. can't turn my head when I do this. <laughs> Thanks to each of you. I got a lot out of what you were saying. And um, Maggie, oh, I'm Seema. I'm, thank you, boy. I'm Seema. I'm a recovering anorexic, bulimic, compulsive overeater from, from San Francisco. And I'm a little befuddled because I have to speak at the next session, and I'm scared. That's not pertinent to this, though. I, every Each one of you said something that really resonated for me um, and I, 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 what I want to do the reason I came up is I want to Maggie I want to thank you in particular for talking about this, the traditions the way you did because I've been in program 30 years and except for meetings where we study the tradition if there's a fifth Sunday of the month um, I have not read the traditions because I thought you know well let other people do that. They didn't seem as important to me, even though I know better. And I hadn't really thought of them like that before. So I want to thank all of you and you for that share. That's it. Brief. Does anyone else want to share on the traditions? Does anyone have any questions that they want asked about the traditions? What, come up and sign and ask the question. Chandra, compulsive overeater. And um, one of you gave an idea about how to work the traditions. Um, I believe it was you, Maggie, who said 
or maybe it was, I don't remember, one of you said to ask three questions to, about it. And um, I would really like to know from all of you if you have other ways of working it, because I had told my sponsor recently, I'm working through the steps again, and I said at the end of this, I'd like to work through the traditions. I know they do that in NA and AA, but I've never heard anything about it in OA. So I'd really be interested in other ways of working through the traditions. Do any of you have any thoughts that you'd like to share? I'm Carol, compulsive overeater. There are questions with each tradition, and I've done those. Um, you can do them as it relates to the group, or you could do them as it relates to you and your life. But um, there is that option to look at. And Thank you. Thank you. I saw another hand. If you want to ask or speak, be sure you come up and sign up, and you can just wait in line back up here. Um, hi, I'm Amy, a compulsive overreader. So I'm going to multitask. Um, so um, thank you for speaking on the traditions. And I have also um, studied traditions after um, working the steps with my sponsor. And I found them. What I love, what I feel about, what I love about the traditions is first, in a, for a meeting, it makes a meeting safe for me. Um, I had a very interesting conversation at lunch today where somebody had a really great idea about um, what to, to share, um, to focus on meditation and, and, uh, and maybe a workshop on meditation and being in OA and, and um, some techniques. And the, then the person starts to talk about all these different beliefs and meditation and all that stuff. And, and I had a tradition to tell her, I said, well, actually, you want to bring in religious leaders, but because this is OA... Um, it is not, it's against the traditions to bring in the outside issues. Um, and, um, and as we went through the conversation, everything I had, I wasn't, it was like I could speak without judgment and just say, well, the traditions tell us this. And she was so grateful, like, wow, I didn't know what the guidelines were for um, being able to do something like this. And, you know, I said it would mean if you, you know, you could do something like this, but it couldn't be announced at an OA meeting, and you could, it's not an OA event, and it wouldn't be on the new, in a newsletter or on the website. And I just felt like I had a tool to use to make a meeting safe. Um, and that's what the traditions give me. And I will tell you, uh, traditions, especially of unity in my marriage, has been also in invaluable, um, where I, it is to remind myself of the higher purpose and not just of my agenda in the relationship and for any relationships. Um, and I also found, um, a, 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 like hearing about people saying, um, you know, I wish, I wish my, my office, you know, before a meeting, we would put up the traditions because I am absolutely certain that um, more ideas would be heard and I would approach the whole environment as to be more open. And because of the traditions, I can, I can apply them in a, me, in a meeting, in a non-OA meeting, um, even if the rest of the people in that meeting aren't 
aren't using them because it helps me be more open and respectful to the people around me. So thanks for letting me share. And thank you, all three of you, for your shares. Thank you. We have time for one last share. Jennifer, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jennifer. And I, again, want to thank the speakers. And um, the topic of this meeting really uh, spoke to me. Uh, however, I, like other people have shared, don't even, I can't even recite probably one of them. So this uh, session has really uh, helped to encourage me to begin to study the traditions and not just the steps. And I uh, uh, seem to find myself um, many times in various meetings, um, professional meetings, and uh, somehow, uh, not because I lack a lot of talent, but I end up being on the boards or running these meetings. and. Um, there is this uh, power thing like, hey, I'm the best because I know how to run a meeting. And then I'm in a spot where, or a thought where, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really good enough to do this. Uh, and I'm uh, in the legal profession, and so a lot of things are very legalistic. And I'm sitting on this board, and I just realized how much these principles um, can really help this organization um, because it it comes from a uh, they come from a place of principles, not legal principles, but spiritual principles. And I'm new to this uh, group, and uh, I've been told I'm a rebel. And I realize that that can be a really good thing, and. Uh, I can use uh, especially the principle, uh, you know, just around, you know, being, you know, we're all the same here in this meeting, and uh, but we also have differences. So I, I really appreciate uh, what all of you have shared, and um, thank you. It is now time to close this section. Let us thank our speakers and all who have done service for this. If you uh, enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop on the tape table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD <laughs> as an electronic or as an electronic download. If you all please join hands with me and it looks like we're going to do the OA promise. Um, we'll just do this. Cool. Okay, great. Then I can have it here.
I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer just we depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching out our hands for power and strength greater than ourselves. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. It works.